year of devastation and division. But is there new hope on the horizon in the new year? Today, we're looking back at 2020 and talking about the vaccines now making their way across Indiana as we talk with former state health commissioners, Dr. Judy Monroe and Dr. Woody Myers, plus taking a closer look at the lessons learned from the year we've all just endured. It's all ahead on a special edition of In Focus. Good morning. This past year is one we will always remember, but it's also a year we'd probably like to forget. Still, there are lessons to take with us from 2020, and we'll be exploring that today as we look back at the year that was here in Indiana and beyond. From the deadly pandemic to the deep divisions, bringing political, societal and racial unrest. But we start with the coronavirus and my conversation with two former state health commissioners about the vaccines on the way and the lives we lost in 2020. My sister was super friendly, super outgoing, and I'll never forget that as long as I live. To celebrate my dad's life and the legacy he left. It's, it's tough losing someone, and regardless of whether I know them or not personally, I try not to personalize this thing uh, that we're all going through. Such a, a devastating year for so many people, no doubt about that. As we turn out, a former state health commissioner, Dr. Judy Monroe, who's now president of the CDC Foundation. Thanks so much for joining us. It's still such a, a difficult situation right now, but how hopeful are you by what we've been seeing in recent days as we begin to see these vaccinations rolled out here in Indiana and across the country? Yeah, so it's great to join you. And I, I will tell you, I'm very hopeful about the vaccine. It's uh, the rollout uh, will still be a bit daunting. There's a lot of work to be done, but um, I think uh, the, everyone has put so much work into this. It, it's quite exciting to see the vaccine roll out, uh, but we still have a ways to go. What is your organization doing right now to encourage people to take the vaccine when available? We've seen polling showing that number of people willing to take it, perhaps in the high 50s and climbing. How high does that number need to get? What can be done to make sure enough people are comfortable with the vaccine? Yeah, so it's most important to make sure that folks are, are comfortable, that they have confidence in the vaccine. And we're working with CDC directly uh, on the vaccine confidence to help spread the word. We're working with community-based organizations uh, across the nation, uh, having webinars and, and giving them technical assistance, as well as some funding to help them have the reach and the ability to, to reach communities where they're really trusted. So that's one of the areas. The other thing that we're doing is we've, we've actually helped fund some of the research that's being done around the vaccine confidence to understand why people are hesitant and we've uh, joined forces with a number of uh, collaborations and, and coalitions, uh, both with businesses uh, and with government to uh, try to advance uh, the, the uptake of the vaccine. There have been reports out this week citing former CDC staffers who said the agency was, was crushed by administration officials when it came to things like messaging, and that in those situations, messaging was more important than the science. I know you're on the foundation side of the CDC, but can you tell us if you've heard any of those same kind of concerns and, and whether you feel that may have led to the pandemic being downplayed throughout the course of this year? So in any emergency, the most important thing for public health officials is to be out in front telling the public exactly what they know in any given time and telling the public what actions they can take. Trust is so important. Um, 
So yes, there, there's no question that there have been mixed messages during this time. Um, and the many reports that have come out about CDC uh, in recent weeks uh, regarding uh, what, what happened uh, politically to them. And, and so that, that did have impact. Uh, what, what is your, your message for those back here in Indiana where you once served as health commissioner? We're, we're now listed as, as perhaps the, the fourth riskiest state uh, to be in right now this, this time of the year to travel to for the holidays. What, what's your message for everyone back here in Indiana? Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends and family uh, back in Indiana, and, and uh, my message is, guys, play it, play it safe. Uh, put off any risky behavior, and that includes getting, again, with extended uh, numbers of people, large crowds during the holiday season. Play it safe uh, so that uh, you're all around to enjoy the holidays next year, and make sure that you do get your vaccine. The major message I would give is that all of us as individuals have a sphere of influence, and you can be a positive messenger among your own friends, family, uh, and, and coworkers. So carry the right message. Look at the science. Okay. Dr. Judy Monroe, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks. All right. Let's turn now to another former state health commissioner, Dr. Woody Myers, who, of course, ran for governor this past year as well. Thanks so much for being with us. It's good to be back. You were very critical of the Holcomb administration for its response to the virus. Many would expect that kind of criticism uh, throughout the course of a campaign. Do you still feel more needs to be done at this point now? Well, the data still are, are, are telling us the answer is yes. Um, uh, we've, we've had a, a terrible, terrible spell here of a few weeks. Uh, we've got huge numbers. Our ICU uh, capacity is, uh, is, is dwindling. Uh, and uh, Thanksgiving, I think, unfortunately, was just the warm-up uh, for Christmas, because if uh, Hoosiers don't change their behavior, uh, we, we could see a, a, a much bigger explosion uh, coming in a few weeks. Uh, and that's what I'm very worried about. What about the vaccines? Do, do you worry about people having enough confidence in the vaccine to make this vaccination plan work? And will we get them out quickly enough to, to everyone who needs to receive a vaccine? You know, I think that the, the, the confidence in, in the vaccine will go up over time. I think that uh, the people will see that their neighbors are taking it. Uh, the the uh, leaders uh, of, the, of the nation are taking it. Uh, they're not seeing uh, the, the kind of side effects that some people are worried about. Uh, and, the, uh, and the concerns uh, with respect to getting ill from COVID, I think, will be, will be uh, increasing, unfortunately, over the next uh, uh, several months, not decreasing. Uh, so I think that the concern regarding the vaccine will, will diminish over time. So today we're also looking back at the year that was, the pandemic, the, the political unrest, and a lot of conversations as well about social justice and about equality. What are the biggest lessons to take away from this year we've all just been through? Well, uh, there, are, there are a lot of lessons. Uh, I think for me, uh, it, it's it's clear that uh, that it's not hopeless, but we've got a lot of challenges that, that we've not fully tackled with respect to uh, racial injustice. Uh, for instance, uh, I was uh, very very pleased that so many people, uh, uh, after the unfortunate murder of George Floyd, uh, got involved and and uh, moved for changes, and we did see changes occurring that I didn't expect that would, would happen. Uh, and and that was a that was a big plus. I think it's it's uh, 
it's dropped off some now with the with the with the weather and with the COVID and the election. Uh, but I I do think that they can be sustained if we want them to be. Uh, and I fully expect that uh, in a Biden administration, uh, especially uh, once we know his who his new attorney general will be, uh, all of those uh, energies will get rekindled because there's still so much to do. Dr. Woody Myers joining us. Our thanks to both Dr. Myers and Dr. Monroe. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk with our panel about the year that was. They're standing by to share the lessons they learned in 2020. Up next. I wish that... Uh... We, we could have delivered a product more quickly, uh, but we do have a bill. Senator Todd Young talking about the coronavirus relief bill passed by Congress. That news, along with the vaccines, bringing some hope for the new year. President-elect Joe Biden getting the vaccine on Monday. So have a number of other government officials and members of Congress. Let's bring in our panel right now as we continue to look back at 2020. Joining us today, former Indiana Trump campaign vice chair Tony Samuel former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, and former GOP lawmaker, Mike Murphy. Thank you all for being here. Jennifer, I'm going to start with you. What are some of the lessons to be learned from everything we've experienced in 2020? Well, I think, Dan, the biggest lesson any of us can learn is just that we have a chance to, to catch our breath. We've been through an incredible year um, with ups, very few and downs quite plentiful. Um, I think as we look toward the new year, we have a really great opportunity to collaborate, to forgive, to see where we can find common ground now that this year and thankfully this administration have uh, are coming to an end. Tony, your thoughts from across the aisle? There's so many. I, I would suggest that we need to look at everything that happened in 2020 and realize that it didn't happen by accident. A lot of these things were coordinated and a lot of bad things that have happened. The uh, manipulation of the coronavirus by Democrat governors and mayors uh, to make things worse for our economy and, and destroy lives and livelihoods. The, the uh, uh, chaos that was created from the radical left on, on the uh, uh, riots that took place after starting off as peaceful protests that destroyed a lot of businesses again hurt a lot of people all of these things led to an election i think with coronavirus we need to look at how this started everybody wants to place blame on each other but this started in china and china is the beneficiary of so much of what's happened including the election which was fraudulent, uh, whether you, you say it's enough fraud or not, there's plenty of evidence, plenty of thousands of affidavits out there. And all of this needs to be studied, whether it happens before the inauguration or, or after. Uh, we can't let a year like this go okay. go on and get, happen again, and it didn't happen by accident. Robin, I'm guessing you have a different perspective, and, and perhaps that's one of the lessons from 2020, is that we are all looking at these events so very differently. Well, I think Jennifer is right when she talks about the need for us to come together. But, I mean, the most important thing that I saw was the resilience of the American people. You know, a few years ago, we were excited whenever they voted in the Middle East and people dipped their thumb in ink and showed that they had voted. We had people, myself included, that stood in lines for five and a half hours to vote. The resiliency of people standing in lines right now in Georgia to vote in a special election on January 5th shows that time and time again, our democracy does work. Those who make accusations that there's fraud in Georgia, for example, 
Three times they counted the vote, never changed. Wisconsin, they counted the vote again, and Joe Biden picked up votes. It's time to heal it. And I think the one thing that, that I know personally, everyone's just taking a deep breath and saying, now let's move ahead. And I believe that's where we'll be in 21 and to be the nation to be better for. Mike, your, your thoughts on the year that was? Well, first of all, uh, we learned that words matter. We learned that the search for truth can be uh, delayed, that cannot be uh, roadblocked. And we learned that the human spirit cannot be defeated. And now it's time, in the words of the great evangelical leader who advised Trump, as he said yesterday, it's time to move on. You're quoting Pat Robertson uh, there. All right, um, 2020, obviously so many things to reflect on, uh, the pandemic, uh, the, the political unrest, the social unrest we saw. So hard to pick a winner and a loser for the year when it comes to uh, our politics and the year we've all experienced. But we're going to give it a shot today. And uh, Jennifer, I'll start with you. I, I think this has you know, been said a few times, but I think our, our democracy is the winner here. Um, sorry, Tony, I think most people agree that the election was fair and that the right person uh, was selected and elected by the American people. So I think democracy is our winner. Um, and our loser was, was probably our, just our sense of decency. This was a, a year that saw absolutely awful things said and done uh, from one person to another. And I'm very hopeful that the next year, the coming year, can bring some peace. Tony. Winners are our frontline healthcare workers for doing a fantastic job taking yeah. care of people under, under difficult circumstances. Losers are the folks that, um, that uh, perpetuated uh, this, uh, the, the scandalous uh, elections in six states. And it's not just me, it's not just President Trump. 66% of uh, Republicans, 27% of independents, and 17% of Democrats think this election was stolen. Robin. I think the, uh, the scientific efforts that made a vaccine available pe to people. Um, who'd ever think we'd be talking about now? We've moved from, is there gonna be a vaccine to how soon can we get a vaccine? Everybody, with the exception of the president of the United States, has taken a vaccine on camera to say that it's safe and we should move ahead. Losers, there's a lot. But the one that continues to bother me are all the people around Donald Trump who are still feeding him a bunch of baloney that this election was fraudulent. Those folks are the losers. Mike, you get the last word. Well, I'm in a good mood. But if I had to pick <laughs> a loser, I'd say it's the NCAA for screwing IU last week. Um, but college generally, football I'd say playoff it's committee. You, you don't want to give that to the NCAA. The college football committee will take your blame there. Well, yeah, the same thing. <laughs> but but in, in my mind, I'm in a holiday mood. They're all winners. Uh, any Hoosier who survived COVID this year is a winner. And I want to uh, uh, state my profound gratitude to Governor Holcomb for his intrepid leadership during 2020. All right, Mike, Jennifer, Tony, Robin, we thank you all for all of the time you've given us this year to give us perspective on everything we have experienced. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, we will talk about the media, misinformation, and more of the lessons learned in the year that was. Stick around. We'll be right back. 
so much to learn from as we wrap up this very difficult year. Joined now by Importantville's Adam Wren, who's a contributing editor with Indianapolis Monthly and Politico. Abdul Hakim Shabazz, who's the editor and publisher for IndiePolitics.org. Rima Shahid, the executive director with Women, Cha Women for Change Indiana. And Alexandra Hudson, a contributor with Young Voices. Rima, I'll start with you. This year we saw a lot of division when it comes to our politics, but even on the pandemic itself. And a lot of that fueled on social media and at times by outright misinformation. How do we come together as a country in the midst of this crisis if we're essentially looking at, at different versions of reality sometimes? I couldn't agree with you more. I think anytime any one of us hops on any social media platform, it's as if we're looking at two different Americas and two different groups of people. And I think the fact is, is that these different organizations and companies, they have a great responsibility to make sure that there is not misinformation that's being spread, but correct factual information. I think that American people and people around the world, they, they have a right to have right information. And I think that it is important that they take down information that's just false and not true. And fact-checking is very important right now. Alexandra, how, how do we get out of these, these information bubbles and, and really focus on, on what's true and what's important? You know, we can look to history and take um, comfort in the fact uh, <laughs> that, that we've been dealing with misinformation and also pathogens across human history. Sure. Um, looking into the past, it's good we don't have st centralized state or religious authorities that are uh, channeling and being gatekeepers of the information we have. We have more freedom than ever before when it comes to information, but that means we need to be, we need to remember our responsibilities, our correlative responsibilities, and be more dil diligent consumers of this information as well. There was a lot of divide back in the 1918 uh, flu about about masks and things of that nature, as you point out. Abdul, that, that sort of misinformation, the effect of these, these information bubbles, also played a big role uh, in the election this year as well. Uh, yes, they did. Uh, it was interesting. Like I said, just I, I throw something up on social media just to start a discussion. I come back in an hour, and it's basically the Hatfields versus uh, the McCoys out there. And, and the one thing about I've noticed about social media is it's a way for the misinformed people reach uninformed people. And I believe mm. uh, that my good friend Rima is correct. Uh, it's the responsibility of social media. And to remind people, they are private companies, so your First Amendment rights don't apply to, to be heard uh, to remove that misinformation or at the least put up some kind of disclaimer saying, hey, you know what, this information has been disputed. And then I go to Alexander, which is we need to be smarter and more savvy consumers about the information that we take off the Internet. Adam, what's the answer here? How do we bridge this divide? And, and just how uh, devastating uh, were the effects of, of some of these uh, phenomena this past year? You know, there's no silver bullet solution that I see anytime soon, Dan. You know, I think back to 2019 and we lost uh, people like, uh, you know, former Senator uh, Richard Lugar and also former Governor uh, Birch Bayh. And with them, I think we lost an era where nuance uh, and um, you know, shades of gray were more welcomed. Uh, right now on social media, there's there's such a, a polarization um, where you know if you point out uh, something positive that someone did, a political figure did, um, whether, whether you know they're Democrat or Republican, uh, you're you're attacked by others, and I think that's a, a great loss. And so it's hard to know. Uh, what the solution is, uh, if any, as we go into 2021. And as we all know, uh, you know, journalists as well have faced, you know, criticism, um, unwarranted, sometimes warranted throughout, throughout the year for various things. Um, Rima, I'll turn to you next as we, as we sort of look back now at 
the year's winners and losers. Um, the effects of everything we've seen this year, who do you think, as you look back at, at this past year, uh, had a strong 2020 that we'll remember for years and years to come? I think the winner for 2020 is um, girls and women because of the um, incoming vice president and breaking that barrier and especially for girls of color. And again, I think that our loss, our losers this year um, is the government. More women are dropping out of the workforce than ever before. The last time we had so many women dropping out of the workforce was during the 1918 pandemic. And I think that is essential that we pass long awaited legislation around paid family leave, affordable um, childcare options and pregnancy accommodations to ensure that women can stay in the workforce. Alexandra, a winner or loser for 2020? I'm gonna follow Rima's lead and say that America is both the winner and, a, and the loser this year. We really saw the crisis, the pandemic, bringing out the best and the worst in us. And I'm hoping that we can take this opportunity as we enter a new year, a new presidential administration to rebuild and, and to rebuild based on empathy and compassion, especially with those that we disagree with. And, and follow the lead that, of, of some of the leaders that we've seen. Well said. Ab Abdul? Uh, my winner, uh, ironically, is Joe Biden. Uh, he came uh, from behind. Remember, he lost New Hampshire, lost Iowa, uh, was on the prayer in South Carolina, won South Carolina, then uh, swept the Democratic nomination, and then went on ahead uh, to win the presidency. And I will say the loser uh, is not necessarily Donald Trump, but whoever, were the, whoever he hired for his lawyers to be, what, 0 and 52 uh, in state, federal court, and the Supreme Court, uh, is absolutely ridiculous. So winner, Joe Biden, loser, uh, Donald Trump's lawyers. Adam, 30 seconds, you get the last word. Uh, loser, Indiana Democratic Party. We need a healthy opposition party, uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat in Indiana, and they haven't come to the table to offer that. Two winners, U.S. Uh, Senator uh, Todd Young uh, and uh, Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary designate. Both of them are very thoughtful people uh, for both of their parties, and hopefully they can uh, add nuance to uh, Washington, D.C. in the coming year. Adam, Abdul, Rima, Alexandra, thank you all for adding some nuance to this conversation today. We appreciate it. <laughs> well, next week we'll be in the start of a brand new year. And if 2020 taught us anything, it's that we don't always know what's around the corner. But we'll be right here to try and make some sense of it all as we hope for better days ahead 2021. We'll see you then next Sunday in Focus.